Informing America's farmers and ranchers. It's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Welcome to June, and welcome to uh, to another day of our coverage of the World Meat Congress going on here in hot Dallas, Texas. That's right. It is it is really hot here, but uh, a lot there kind of was hot in in the building yesterday as well, with lots going on and a lot of news, and we're going to get reaction uh, coming up on today's program. And um, we're going to cover a lot of different areas. You're going to hear from some of the newsmakers that were here yesterday. And we're also going to um, talk with uh, the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. We're going to hear from uh, the corn growers as well. And getting a little feedback in my headset for those back in the control room. So if if we can change that, there we go. Very good. So it's uh, another busy day here at the World Meat Congress in Dallas. And glad to be joined now by Dan Hallstrom, President and CEO of the U.S. Meat Export Federation. Dan, big day yesterday. Uh, I mean, you had Secretary Perdue. You had the the Canadian Ag Minister. You had Mexico's Chief NAFTA Negotiator. And on top of that, you got the tariff news from the administration. And that news kind of took over everything for a while yesterday. Yesterday. Yeah, without a doubt, Mike. Uh, it was a very exciting day, a um, uh, little bit uh, volatile, so to speak, but uh, I, I think it really uh, brings forth the, the fact that we have a global stage here. Um, NAFTA kind of took the uh, spotlight yesterday, but, but we have the whole world in Dallas uh, from an agricultural standpoint, not only on the supply side, uh, but also on the customer side. We had over 130 customers from around the world here as well as part of the Congress. Um, Yeah, it was great to have uh, Secretary Perdue here, uh, his counterpart from Canada, and uh, and one of the chief negotiators on the Mexican side. So uh, uh, NAFTA kind of uh, dominated the news yesterday with a lot of rumors, and and honestly, to this point, they're, they're just rumors. Nothing has been confirmed. But I'm confident um, the the three sides working together that we'll come to a fruitful uh, conclusion in the end. At an event like this, a World Meat Congress, how do you determine whether it's successful or not? Well, yeah, I I think uh, it's successful on a lot of fronts. Uh, Number one is uh, we have a lot of common interests around the world in agriculture. Um, We're competitors, yes, but on the other hand, there's a lot of uh, issues. Take sustainability globally, for example. This is something that's common throughout the world. And uh, to get the different points of view from the different uh, um, supply sources around the world of, of beef, pork, and lamb, I think is invaluable. Um, and also it's an opportunity to come together with our customers from around the world. So I think it, in a lot of aspects, uh, it's still one day to go, but, but so far I think it's been very successful. And then when you get news like the tariff announcement yesterday, it just shows uh, how difficult trade can be because there's so many outside factors that can also be put into the scenario, and that makes it difficult. I mean, you're here building relationships, and you're getting buyers and sellers together, but then um, governments step in and their policies and different actions taken that that make it difficult. Yeah, it makes it difficult, but part of the reason it's difficult is because um, I think that in the end, everyone understands the importance, and uh, it's a balance, right? You you, want to be, uh, you want to have a successful conclusion for your your frame of reference only, but you're impacting, in this case, two other regions with Canada and Mexico. I think in the end, what we're trying to do is I think the governments will, will do the right thing in the end. It might take some time and some more work. 
but we need to be patient on our side um, and, and we're reassuring our customer base of that both in Canada and Mexico and we have a lot of them here this week so uh, one of the most important things in trade is that reliability is a, is a week-in week-out supplier of our products and uh, it's a little hard to keep that frame of reference when you have these distractions but uh, in a way that's our job to do so maybe it was a good Good thing that you're all here together when news like that breaks yesterday. Exactly right. right. Yeah, in that regard, uh, we had a consistent message to our suppliers, our members, our exporters, and we had a lot of the customers here. So in that regard, it was very good. Talking with Dan Hallstrom, president and CEO of the U.S. Meat Export Federation. All right. So we talk a lot about the challenges. We know China, there are challenges, and every market has its challenges. But there have been some great successes going on as well as moving U.S. meat products into these markets. Well, see, the, this is the, the key point. Um, you hit it right on the head. For a year now, we've been talking about NAFTA, <clears throat> and uh, and not to go back to NAFTA again, but it's a good example. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, the uncertainty out there has been with us for a while, and what's happened is we made we we're continuing to ship. We're continuing to have very happy customers, very uh, customers that are very uh, uh, accepting of the relationship and want to grow it. Uh, and, and NAFTA is one example, but we have a lot of other successes as well. And I, I'm just looking at the sheet right now, but on the beef side, this year through three months on a volume basis, Korea is up 22% on beef. Taiwan's up 34% on beef. Indonesia is up 400% on beef. Japan is flat, but growing on a value basis. Uh, you got Caribbean up. So the, on the pork side, Korea is up almost 40%. So there's a lot of good things going on. And as I said in the uh, general session on Wednesday when we opened the Congress, the basic supply and demand fundamentals are very favorable for, for uh, international trade and for the U.S. in particular. So I think in the back of our mind, we have a lot of things out there, a lot of distractions, so to speak. But the fundamentals are very supportive for agriculture. Well, we tend to focus on the problems because they have to be addressed and, exactly. and worked out. But, yeah. but those are those are good examples of the of the positives that are going on as well. And then it's the growing demand for protein around the world in a lot of these economies. I mean, that's the great opportunity, right? Yeah, th this is stuff that's happening today. What you just hit on, the future might even be more exciting. And what we're looking at, and, and I also said this earlier in the week, you have the fundamentals. So what are the fundamentals? The fundamentals are that you have a glowing generic population growth uh, around the world. You have an increasing middle class, more disposable income. As people in these developing nations, now throw a few out, Peru is a relatively new market. Um, you, have, you have markets throughout Africa that are brand new. Um, you have Indonesia, relatively new. As, as people get more disposable income, they want to upgrade their food quality and, and their, their consistency and, and their, their, the image. And this is where U.S. beef and pork comes in. It's not the most affordable necessarily, but the quality is second to none. So this is what we're seeing, and, and this, this is the exciting thing going forward, is there's a lot of opportunity in areas we probably haven't even talked about. You have to build those relationships. And we talked a lot about this on the show yesterday. You build those relationships of trust and that you're going to provide a quality product and be a dependable uh, supplier. Exactly. And the big advantage the U.S. has, really two, but the most important is our reputation, uh, our USDA uh, process. Anything that has a USDA bug on it, by definition, is seen as, a, as the gold standard around the world. So the safety, the confidence is number one, and our supplyability. We have the supply. 
these are very, very powerful things in the future. And we have a growing supply, which makes these exports even more important. Even more to, important. To yeah. Very right good now. point. Yeah. Yep. Dan, thank you very much. Great event here. Appreciate uh, all your time and uh, the, the great work the uh, U.S. Meat Export Federation does. Thank you very much. Thank you. Dan Hallstrom, President and CEO of the U.S. Meat Export Federation here at the World Meat Congress going on in Dallas, Texas. Well, as we mentioned earlier, yesterday, a lot of uh, news from Secretary Purdue, also Canadian uh, Ag Minister McCauley, and Kenneth Smith, Chief NAFTA Negotiator for, for Mexico. We're going to hear from all three of those gentlemen coming up in our next segment as we'll talk about NAFTA and some comments from Secretary Purdue on the RFS situation as well. So stay with us from Dallas, the World Meat Congress. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture. information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. Welcome back to Adams on Agriculture here at the World Meat Congress in Dallas, Texas. All right, so yesterday, just as the news was breaking about the uh, tariffs being announced uh, by the uh, Trump administration, we were talking with uh, uh, some very key people from all three countries involved in NAFTA. We had Secretary Purdue, we had Canadian Ag Secretary McCauley, and we had Kenneth Smith, the chief NAFTA negotiator. So we were talking about NAFTA quite a bit yesterday. Secretary Purdue had these comments on the talks. Regarding NAFTA, we have too much in common. Uh, I think while things are not uh, able to be announced right now, uh, I've just visited with uh, Minister McCauley, and we both acknowledge, frankly, when you look at North America, uh, I like to say we live in the best neighborhood on the planet, and we've got too much in common to allow trade disruptions to divide us. And I'm hopeful that we can get back to the business of talking about how we can resolve this issue and do right and feed everyone. Uh, NAFTA has been generally good for agriculture in most aspects. There are a few maybe that have not uh, fared as well. Uh, but we need to make sure that we have equivalency in food safety, uh, sanitary, phytosanitary issues, and then let our producers compete. Uh, I'm all in favor of reciprocal trade type agreements. Uh, certainly we, uh, we want to open our borders for products, but we want those other borders to be opened as well. We have a great consuming nation here. China and Mexico have taken good advantage of that, but we also uh, have exports that we need to send to Canada as well as Mexico. Or do you feel we're close to a resolution of the NAFTA talks? We'll get done this year, do you think? <clears throat> Uh, I'm hoping they'll get done this year. Mexico obviously is in the throes of elections, and uh, we have an election in November as well. Uh, I frankly hope we can get it done where this Congress can deal with it. Congress has some timelines that make it uh, difficult, but I believe uh, those kind of things can be changed by Congress if they're willing in that regard. I didn't answer your question over China. Uh, we, it's a little bit of a roller coaster with China, certainly. Uh, we felt good enough about to send a team with our Undersecretary for Trade, Ted McKinney, as well as our technical people, our career trade people, our food safety people, our APHIS people of food equivalency. There are a lot of non-tariff barriers that uh, have existed between the U.S. and China. We're trying to erode those and, and get it where we can do free trade and fair trade. We don't have a problem with uh, uh, complying with another nation's uh, standards if they're international standards. We don't want artificial standards 
based on protectionism to keep us out of the market. So we're hopeful we can get that done. Uh, there really is a, a lot of need in China, a lot of hungry mouths there, as you know. And uh, we think there's probably another 8 to 10 to $12 billion of ag exports that can go into China very easily. Mr. Secretary, do you understand the nervousness of U.S. farmers and ranchers right now? Well, absolutely I do. And being one of them, uh, it's an anxious time. It's a legitimate anxiety, obviously uh, placed in the situation of low commodity prices already. We can't afford trade disruptions. We've got to keep the markets going, and uh, we hope to get that's why we hope to get this resolved as soon as possible because, you know, farmers are planning now. They're having to make cropping decisions, not just for 18, but even thinking with the farm bill into 19 and beyond. That's why we need a farm bill as well uh, this year before expiration so farmers can make those capital investments and other things that they need to do to keep their operations going. And on the ongoing RFS waiver debate, I asked Secretary Purdue if he has talked with EPA Administrator Scott Pruitt about it. We have. We had a very good discussion the other day. Uh, I candidly told him that I felt like the uh, waivers that were granted and the quantity they were granted this year was almost a circumvention of the RVO obligation there. Uh, the proposals that we're talking about now going forward are having any waiver requests prior to the RVO being issued and reallocated in that prospective RVO, which will kind of shut the door on that waiver circumvention in that way. Well, the door's not shut yet, and that controversy continues. We'll talk more about that on Monday. Also yesterday, we talked with Canadian Agriculture and Agri-Food Minister Lawrence McCauley for his perspective on the NAFTA talks. Well, of course, we're, we're very disappointed on the tariffs, but our Prime Minister will be addressing that issue, so I'll leave it with that. What we want to make sure is that we uh, negotiate an even better NAFTA, and, and as you know, it has quadruple trade uh, in agriculture in the three countries. Farmers making more money, exporters making more money. That's what we want to see happening. What is, what's the key issue right now as far as agriculture is concerned? We, we've not seen any resolution really on dairy. Is that the big stumbling block still at this point? Well, of course, I'm not at the table, but... Uh, it would be inappropriate for me to comment just exactly if, if there is a stumbling block. But uh, we all have issues in agriculture that that we want to take care of. But uh, in general, it's generally understood. I just had a great uh, conversation with, uh, with Sonny Perdue, and he understands fully the value of trade and what it's done. And we do, too. And we just want to see that it progresses. Uh, we all have uh, strong negotiators at the table, and what we want to do is make sure we come up with an even better deal. Canadian Ag Minister Lawrence McCauley. Now, from the Mexican standpoint, we heard from Kenneth Smith, Chief NAFTA Negotiator, and I asked him for an assessment from his viewpoint, from Mexico's viewpoint, of where the NAFTA talks are right now. Well, as you know, we have been negotiating since August of last year. We have advanced quite a bit on what we call the modernization agenda of the agreement, that is, upgrading existing chapters and disciplines in the NAFTA and adding new chapters to make it more inclusive, to bring it up to the needs of the 21st century economy. So in areas such as telecoms, energy, sanitary, phytosanitary measures, how to incorporate SMEs into the agreement. These are a lot of new disciplines that were strengthening the agreement, and we're pretty much, I would say, to a degree of 70-75% of progress in all of that modernization agenda. We still have the tougher issues that are being discussed at the ministerial level on issues that the U.S. has put on the table on automotive rules of origin, dispute settlement, and sunset clause. These are, by the nature of the, the difficult type of negotiation on these issues, they will go until the end. 
So we continue negotiating. These uh, tough issues will be resolved on, until the end. We have made specific proposals on automotive dispute settlement in Sunset over the month of May. We're waiting to hear back from the U.S. and to, uh, at the same time that we continue working at the technical level to uh, schedule the next ministerial meeting. But we continue negotiating. How do your elections, upcoming elections, impact the talks? Well, I mean, what we have said from the beginning is that we will continue negotiating as long as it takes. We will not rush into a closure if the substance is not there. It is the substance that must guide the, uh, the negotiation. So regardless of the political process in Mexico or the elections in November, uh, we will continue negotiating and we will close only when Mexican priorities have been addressed and we can come back to our country and say we have an upgraded NAFTA that is better than the one we had before. And what about the steel and aluminum tariffs, the impact on the talks? Well, from the beginning of the investigation, Mexico was clear in stating that we represent absolutely no threat to U.S. national security, either in the steel sector or any other sector. We are a NAFTA partner. We have been so for over 24 years, along with Canada. Uh, we are the second purchaser of steel products from the U.S. So, in fact, there is a large surplus that the U.S. has with Mexico, and therefore we contribute to U.S. national security when it comes to the steel sector, right? So we have rejected the investigation from the beginning. We have clearly stated that there is no linkage with this investigation with the NAFTA negotiations, despite other comments by members of the U.S. administration. We have been very clear that our position in the negotiating table with the NAFTA is not affected at all, either by the threat of the imposition of the tariffs or what was announced today. We are very disappointed by the result of the imposition of these tariffs, and we will take uh, uh, equivalent measures on our side. Could you expand on that, what those measures might be? Well, we're working on those. Essentially, we must analyze what will be the impact of the tariffs in Mexico, what will be the loss in terms of trade opportunities for Mexico. And based on that, we are doing our calculations and looking, of course, at, at uh, retaliating in the uh, in the steel sector, but not only that, you know, we have had a long experience of cases where we have to had to impose retaliation on cases with the United States, whether it's on trucking or, or on the cool provisions. So we're working with a wide list that also involves, unfortunately, agricultural products as well. Does the border wall issue impact the NAFTA talks? No, it hasn't. I mean, we've seen that as a separate issue that is being discussed uh, outside of uh, the realm of what we discuss in the NAFTA. We have tried to leave aside any uh, political discussions at, at the high level that, that may impact the relationship. We still are convinced that building a border wall is not the right thing to do. Uh, if the U.S. wants to do it on its side of the border, it's its own prerogative, of course, but it's not something that we favor. We don't think it favors uh, countries uh, strengthening their ties, on the contrary. But as far as the NAFTA negotiation goes, this is not something that has had an impact. That's Kenneth Smith, chief NAFTA negotiator for Mexico. Interesting that he, he says that the, the border wall issue is separate from NAFTA. I think a lot of times maybe we kind of lump it all as part of the same package, but he says, no, they're trying to uh, keep it separate. And uh, also, as far as Mexico's retaliation, putting together that list. We've seen some uh, partial uh, lists come out. Canada has released a rather lengthy list of items uh, on their list that they'll be retaliating on. And of course, the European Union retaliation and when it comes to their response to uh, the tariffs announced by the Trump administration yesterday, the European Union already talking about uh, 
filing a WTO complaint. So really, the the tariff news yesterday just kind of uh, took over everything here at the World Meat Congress. That became the topic of conversation as we were talking trade already with the Canadian and U.S. Ag Secretaries and the uh, Chief NAFTA Negotiator for Mexico. All right, we'll have more from the World Meat Congress here in Dallas, Texas, coming up next. We'll get a National Cattlemen's Beef Association perspective on these issues and more. Stay with us on Adams on Agriculture. I'm here to tell you that your options for getting out of debt have never been better. How do I know? Because I'm Howard Dvorkin, the founder of Consolidated Credit. For nearly two decades, we've helped over five million people just like you. And every time we help someone, they all say the same thing. Why didn't I call sooner? If you owe too much money on your credit cards and you feel that you'll never be able to pay it off, don't wait. Simply pick up the phone and find out what our Freedom Quest program can do for you. Reducing your payments by up to 50% is just the beginning, but you have to take the first step. When credit card debt is the problem, we're the solution. Call Consolidated Credit now. As soon as you call, the hard part is over. Call Consolidated Credit now. 1-800-489-7204. 1-800-489-7204. That's 1-800-489-7204. 5701 Sunrise Boulevard, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Licensed debt management service provider, Vermont and New York Banking Departments, Maryland 49, Oregon DM80031. Time now for a market check. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. In the grain and oil seed sector on this Friday trading session, we have a mix. Minus signs in the wheats, near unchanged in corn, but four to five higher in soybeans. July soybeans edged slightly lower again on Thursday, but the pace of the selling said to slow somewhat. Major support seen for July at 9.92 and a half and 9.94 and a half. But for now, we've been flirting with the 20-day moving average support level at 10.19 and three quarters. An hour into the trading day, July beans at 10.23, up four and a half. New crop November beans up a nickel at 10.39 and a quarter. In corn, we've got fractional changes to the top side. July closed firmer yesterday, but we held to an inside day. July piercing daily chart support at 3.94 and a quarter, and we're flirting with that level on a Friday. In the wheats, we are one to two and a fraction lower in Minneapolis, two and a half to three and a half cents lower in Kansas City and in Chicago. Chicago, July wheat rebounded to a firmer close on Thursday. The contract marking out new support at 5.15 and a quarter on yesterday's session. For livestock of the Merck and live cattle futures, we've had a choppy mix in early activity, but an hour into the day, 22 to 70 cents higher. Feeder cattle, 25 to 57 cents higher. Late to moderate cash cattle trade surfacing in parts of cattle feeding country yesterday. Mostly 110, some sales at 111, asking prices on unsold cattle around 114 to 115 on a live basis in the south. And in live cattle, we are flat to 65 cents higher, 30 to 62 better in feeder cattle, 55 to 75 cents higher in lean hogs. The Dow up 237 points. I'm Rusty Halverson for the American Ag Network. We paid less for our Craftmatic today than we did 20 years ago. 
If you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and free information on today's Craftmatic adjustable beds. And then decide when you see how little they cost. Rated number one by consumers nationwide on ConsumerAffairs.com. Craftmatic beds come in all mattress types, including cool gel memory foam for up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Enjoy temporary relief of low back pain, poor circulation, nighttime heartburn, mild arthritis. You'll sleep better in a Craftmatic adjustable bed so if you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep call now for prices and information and then decide when you see how little they cost discover craftmatic for less up to 50 percent less than today's leading memory foam brand call 1-800-318-7903 that's 1-800-318-7903 1-800-318-7903 call now Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. And we're in Dallas for World Meat Congress. Joining me now, Kent Backus, Director of International Trade and Market Access for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. Kent, thanks for joining us. Yesterday we were we were focused on NAFTA here at the World Meat Congress, and all of a sudden the, the announcement comes out from the administration on tariffs on Canada, Mexico, and the EU, and that news was just... You could just see it going through the the crowd here, and it just kind of took over, dominated the conversation yesterday. Yeah, uh, it was it was certainly a conversation piece, uh, uh, but you know I don't think any I don't think anyone is is truly surprised. I mean, this has been a direct approach from the administration uh, is to go right at uh, a lot of these other countries, even our allies, because we still have a lot of trade restrictions that we face uh, across the board. So. You know, I think uh, it certainly upset a lot of a lot of folks, and I think that's a reaction that the administration's going for because you got to get people to the table. Uh, and for a long time, you've had uh, you've had issues that uh, where there's been a lot of talk and not a lot of action. So, uh, you know, we're hopeful that uh, you know with the with this unsettling news that it'll shake a few things loose, but it's going to be a bumpy ride for a while. Of course, now we are looking at what the retaliation might be. We saw a pretty lengthy list from Canada. Uh, didn't seem to be any real direct hits on a lot of uh, key ag products, like beef in your case. Uh, kind of waiting to see what all we'll hear from Mexico. But uh, everyone kind of holding their breath at this point. What's next? That's what happens when you get into these. One move leads to another, and then, and so you kind of wait for that next shoe to fall. Yeah, I mean, the Canadians have targeted uh, some beef products. It looks like beef jerky and some other things. They've also targeted, like, toilet paper and whiskey. So, I mean, uh, they're going to you know, spread that impact far and wide. Uh, you know, uh, next steps, I think that there will continue to be negotiations between our countries. Uh, USTR, USDA definitely have their hands full. There's a lot of conversations that need to happen, but... Uh, you know, once the steel tariffs go into place, uh, then those reciprocal tariffs are going to come into place. Uh, that seems to be kind of par for the course when you look around at, at other countries. Anytime we've said we're going to assess these tariffs, then they start targeting what what are politically sensitive uh, issues. Agriculture is a big target too. When you look at uh, the potential tariffs on China, you know they've already they've already targeted. Uh, They've already targeted beef, but they've also targeted pork. They've targeted other things, too. So uh, it, it shouldn't come as a surprise that ag would be on that list. It's, you know, they know that uh, 
especially in a lot of these Midwestern states. Um, this is going to be disruptive. It's going to cause some, some pain. Uh, and that's their, you know, from these other countries' perspective, that's their, that's their goal. Their goal is to try to find politically motivated targets and go after them. Uh, so, you know, this is, this is not going to be uh, an easy path forward. It's going to be a bumpy ride. We're hopeful that at the end of all this that we actually get some progress because, you know, the, the traditional way of approaching this is trying to find a win-win situation, trying to find these uh, ways to open these barriers. And it's a very slow process. It takes a long time. Uh, you know, the administration's got a new way of thinking. And like it or not, this is the reality we're in. I think you summed it up well. The hope is it's going to turn out good in the end. The key is, can you survive till you get right. to the end, right? And, and <laughs> you know, the, the other part of that, too, is, uh, you know, when will this happen? And that's the question everybody asks. And that's why you have a lot of people who are very uneasy. And they should be. I want to talk more about China in just a moment. We're talking with Kent Backus with the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. Yesterday, we were all here talking about NAFTA, getting updates and where we were and how close we were and all that. Then the, the tariff news comes. And even you know, you, they tried to say, well, we're going to, you know, this won't impact or we're going to keep going anyway. It's hard to believe that kind of trade news doesn't impact the trade talks. And it sure makes you wonder where we're going to be now with NAFTA or can we get this done anytime soon? Well, yeah, and uh, there's no question our trade negotiators are multitasking uh, at levels I've never seen before. I don't think anyone has. Uh, so while they're trying to move things on NAFTA, they're also moving a lot on China as well. Uh, you know, it's it's still uncertain as to how this will move forward. I, I certainly think that agriculture is going to be a part of any conversation with China. It'll also be part of any NAFTA discussions. Uh, the idea that, uh, you know, you could push through a, a, a narrow version of, uh, of NAFTA without addressing some agricultural issues or, or other parts that may impact agriculture. I, I just don't know that it would have the political support domestically uh, to, to do that. Uh, at the same time, anything's possible. I think if anything we've seen from this administration is when, uh, you know, when folks, <laughs> folks seem to count them out or uh, think that the, the approach is not working, you know, something, something breaks loose. It, it's, 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 it's difficult for us because we're we're used to taking a certain approach. We're conditioned that way. This is a different approach, and it's it's not uh, it's not easy, and it certainly doesn't uh, give us that stability that we're that we're hoping for. But we're hopeful that we're also going to get results, uh, and that's a it's frustrating between now and uh, and you know when that may actually we happen. haven't seen those results yet. That's exactly right. We haven't, and you know that's why I think it's important that people continue to. Uh, to you know, to talk to their elected officials. At the end of the day, Congress is going to have to approve a lot of these changes. Congress still has some influence, uh, but people need to talk about their concerns. They need to need to make that known. And if there are outstanding issues that need to be addressed, you know, we have an opportunity to do that. You know, for a long time, uh, the beef sector in particular, we've we've seen a lot of restrictions, both tariff and non-tariff. Uh, and previous administrations have done a they've done a good job of trying to address those, but the process has taken a long time. Uh, you know, now that we are at the table, we're having these conversations with Europe, with China, with uh, with the NAFTA countries. This is a good time to take care of a lot of those issues. Uh, you've seen a lot of protectionism in other countries. You've seen 
these massive tariff and non-tariff barriers, restrictions on our technologies, restrictions on our production practice that we know are safe and that we know are based on objective terms, on science. And other countries uh, try to manipulate that to restrict our access, whether it's beef, dairy, you name it. We face these restrictions. That's very frustrating for us. So we support the administration continuing to have these talks and to continue to try to open those markets. At the same time, we're running out of patience. You know, we'd like to see some results. Uh, so, uh, you know, there's there's going to be a lot more conversations that happen. I think this is far from over. The other problem is markets do not like uncertainty. And there's a lot of uncertainty right now. And you see these wild fluctuations. I mean, just a few days ago, everyone was so excited that, you know, China's going to buy, buy, buy. And everyone got excited. And we were trying to say, well, let's tap the brakes a little bit here. You got to have some yeah. realism here. Some, and, and now we're seeing the other side of this. I mean, it, it's it's a roller coaster right now. Yeah, it, it is. And again, that's the frustrating part of all of this. Uh, yeah, at the same time, you know, a lot of people are looking at the U.S. and saying, you know, uh, you know, they're criticizing the U.S. for taking these kind of actions. But for a long time, we've turned a turned a blind eye or capitulated to bad actors in other areas. Uh, you know, China's put a lot of restrictions globally, and you haven't seen people come out and try to criticize them and actually take them to task. Issues that need to be addressed, no doubt. Right. The, the agriculture's concern is, uh, uh, you know, do do you get caught up in the wash here? The collateral damage for addressing issues that need to be addressed is agriculture pay the price. Yeah, and you know the other part of that too is. Uh, there's always the concern that agriculture will be left out of these conversations because if you're looking at uh, potential uh, trade negotiations with Europe, it'd be really easy to leave ag out. It'd make it a lot easier to make some financial reforms, manufacturing services, and just leave ag out completely because that's a very sensitive issue for the Europeans. But our government is committed to taking a wide approach that includes all of us. And while there there may be certain sectors that get more than others, the approach is to try to include agriculture along with everyone else. It, it, when it comes to, to trade negotiations or trade agreements, ag is always the last chapter to be negotiated. I think we're going to see the same with anything with NAFTA. I think we'll see uh, the same with China and the EU because you know, those are those are vulnerable sectors for every country. You know, the United States has also uh, taken very conservative, sometimes protectionist approaches on agriculture. It's, it's sensitive. But as we're looking to the future, Keep in mind, 95% of the world's population lives outside of our borders. If we're going to gain access to these other markets, uh, then we have to be part of that conversation. Uh, because imports, are they're not going to stop. Consumers want those imports. They want them year-round. Uh, we need to make sure that we get reciprocal access while the U.S. grants access to these other countries. One positive we had was... Uh... I think everyone kind of held their breath when they started talking about redoing the chorus agreement with the South Korea, but it seemed like we came out of that all right, although it's not signed yet, is it? No, and, and that's the thing is uh, it's taken a very strong stance, a United States of let's do no harm. Let's not jeopardize the access that we have. Uh, with Korea, uh, that's, that is one example of where uh, – uh, not jeopardizing the ag terms that uh, came out in our advantage. Uh, sometimes it's it's not a bad thing not to be included in those conversations, but uh, we we came out okay. Keep in mind for beef, 
we had really good terms in the Korea Free Trade Agreement. We Our 40% tariff that we previously faced, that's being phased out completely. We're now the largest import source in Korea. We've surpassed Australia. It's a billion-dollar market for us. It's really good. We've doubled our exports in the last five years. At the same time, uh, there was a strong SPS chapter. That means that Korea can no longer use politically motivated, quote, scientific restrictions against us, that they, they uh, agree to play by the rules and to play on a level playing field. And that's been very beneficial to us. We're hopeful that any other agreements that were made manufacturing or auto sector or whatever, that that will be signed and put into place soon. We can put this to bed. Uh, the Koreans are important allies, and we need to keep them that way. Kent, thanks a lot. Kind of nervous times. Hard to be patient at times, but uh, this is time we've got to be patient and, 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 as you said, hope for the best. Thank you very much. Thank you. Kent Backus, National Cattlemen's Beef Association Director of International Trade and Market Access. We'll have more from the World Meat Congress here in Dallas, Texas, coming up next. Stay with us. This is Adams on Agriculture. What if you had a medical emergency away from home? What you need is Mobile Help, America's premier mobile medical alert system. Most systems only work at home, but with Mobile Help, you get help outside the home with coverage nationwide on one of the largest cellular networks at the press of a button. I press the button, and lo and behold, the emergency came within minutes. Mobile Help did save my life. No question about that. Call Mobile Help now for a free color brochure. We'll send you everything you need, including the base station, the patented mobile device, the waterproof pendant and wrist button. You can also add the fall button that automatically detects falls and signals help. Call today and receive a risk-free 30-day trial. There's no equipment to buy and no long-term contract. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free emergency key box with your plan purchase. Remember, mobile help keeps you safe coast to coast. Call 800-930-6137 now for your free mobile help brochure. That's 800-930-6137. Again, 800-930-6137. Do you need a car been shopping only to be turned down because of bad credit low credit no credit bankruptcy or divorce guess what today's your lucky day because now you can buy a car truck or suv just about any vehicle it's true bad credit doesn't matter no credit doesn't matter bankruptcy or divorce it just doesn't matter as a matter of fact your job is your ticket to your new vehicle we're auto credit express and we've helped thousands of people just like you Antonio H. told us, great company, got me connected, and the day I went in, I drove off in the car I wanted. 100% worth your time. Need a car? Get started now and drive off as early as today. Just go to 11ignoremyscore.com right now. That's www.11ignoremyscore.com. Auto financing the easy way. 11ignoremyscore.com. Get started today. Auto financing the easy way. The mighty Prosaro, king of fungicides. Its fast action and long residual make it the keeper of grain quality and yield. The hammer of head and leaf diseases. The number one reducer of scab. When your goal is greater wheat quality and higher yield, use Prosaro fungicide, and the crown of higher profit will be yours. Learn more at prosaro.us. Always read and follow label instructions. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. We're excited to explore the topics that make a difference to agriculture. The Farm Bill, immigration reform, reducing regulations, trade, new technology, as well as infrastructure and health care. 
Through the year, Adams on Agriculture will originate on location from several major national meetings and events. Subscribe to the show's podcast at AmericanAgNetwork.com. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. All right, guys, we're ready for our four-season sunroom, and Daddy's going to get a rec room with refreshments. Oh, no, we'll be sleeping under the stars. Mom, what about the one with, you know, the fun? Nice try, little bro. It's a gym, my gym. Hey, Grandma's getting her Four Seasons garden room, weather tight and still like being outdoors. Maybe a living room. Oh, no, wait, a family hub. Yeah. Yeah. No matter what the budget, the season, or the climate, Four Seasons Sunrooms let you and your family enjoy the outdoors inside. Call now to hear more about these great offers from the premier manufacturer of sunrooms since 1975. More reasons for Four Seasons Now. To find out more, call toll-free 800-988-4477. That's 800-988-4477. Call 800-988-4477 today. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow. And like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat. I would flip-flop all night long. I'd wake up with a sore neck or maybe a headache, or I'd feel like I needed a nap even though I slept eight hours. Well, when I invented my pillow, I wanted it so you could adjust the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual, regardless of sleep position. My pillow will get you into that deep REM sleep faster, and you will stay there longer. It's not how much time we spend in bed. It's how much of that quality sleep we get. I do all my own manufacturing in my home state of Minnesota with a 10-year warranty and you can wash and dry my pillow and here's my best offer ever get four my pillows for the price of one that's right get four my pillows two premium pillows and two travel pillows for the price of one order my pillow at 800-871-7280 and use promo code farm11 get four my pillows for the price of one call 800-871-7280 and use promo code farm11 go to mypillow.com and at checkout use promo code farm11 Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. And welcome back to the World Meat Congress here in Dallas. Our coverage of World Meat Congress made possible by the National Corn Growers Association. Joining me now is Natasha Cox from Indiana on the Board of Directors for Indiana Corn Marketing Council. Also serves on the National Corn Growers Risk Management action team. Natasha, thanks for joining us. We talk about these action teams for for NCGA. Tell us about them and, and what do you do on these action teams? Well, Mike, thanks for having us today. As you know, National Corn Growers is a member-led organization and a grower-guided organization, so the rubber really meets the road in the action teams um, for our organization that has over 40,000 dues-paying members and represents over 300,000 farmers. I know, as you know, corn farmers across the United States, and so with these action teams do is they take the strategic direction of the organization and really work through those plans um, specifically. I'm able to be involved. Um, I would say, did I, I don't know if I drew the short straw or not, but I'm involved <laughs> with the risk management action team this year, which is just a, it is really a dynamic year to be working on the risk management team because the number one priority is the farm bill negotiations that are happening. And so right now, um, this 10 member board is working very, very hard and very close with our coalitions and our partners and in our congressional members to make sure that the voice of the American corn farmer is heard as it's pertained to 
the, the new farm bill. And trying to get this farm bill done is a real challenge, that's for sure. Now, uh, of course, uh, corn growers, you have a very strong partnership with the livestock industry, and that's uh, why you're here and helping sponsor this event. Absolutely. At National Corn Growers, and as as a voice of corn growers today in the U.S., we understand that the protein sector is the largest consumer of our product that we have. It adds 45 cents to every bushel from red meat exports that go out the door. We understand the importance and the value of supporting the programs such as USMEF, National Pork Board, and National Pork Producers Council. And we couldn't be more proud to be here at World Meat Congress today and this week supporting innovation and, and trust and trade with the partners that are here. We talk so much about the importance of trade, and the, and your presence here reminds us again that uh, you can you can export corn in different ways, not just corn uh, as a raw product, but uh, through livestock. That's a key part of uh, uh, the market uh, opportunities for a corn grower. Absolutely. Over 3 million acres of corn every year are dedicated to, to exports in the form of DDGs and corn that's um, through byproducts in the protein sector. And so we understand that the coalitions and the collaboration with our protein partners um, in, in the U.S. and around the world are extremely um, viable to the sustainability of the corn industry in the state of Indiana and in the U.S. And getting back to the farm bill, parts of the farm bill, like the market access program and foreign market development program, it's essential uh, that those are continued in the farm bill and funded because they're so important to moving our products around the world. Absolutely. When we look at our strategic priorities for the farm bill, we look at a, a strong crop insurance program, a targeted risk management program, and the commodity titles as well, and um, workable conservation lands, but then we go and we say MAF and FMD are something that's non-negotiable for the industry. We have to make sure that in a baseline bill that we understand the importance of opening up trade markets and exporting and making sure that our members of Congress understand the good works that our, our exports teams do um, with those dollars for MAF and FMD. And so we're working really hard and our partners are working hard to make sure that that's a strategic priority. Um, looking for the Senate version to come out out here, uh, market version, um, out of Chairman Roberts, and, and I know Chairman Conway understands the importance of MAP and FMD as well. At an event like this here at World Meat Congress, a lot of it's about relationship building, getting to know your customers and potential customers, and, and talking to them about the reliability and the quality of uh, our ag products. Absolutely. Um, relationships are our number one and understanding that on in Maple Island Farms and Fowler, Indiana, you know, what we do to um, grow our crop, our corn crop that bypasses through a product, our protein products out into the market is extremely important, whether it's with our, our shippers, our traders, um, you know, our processors are, that are either domestic or international that are further adding value to the corn product that we provide. Um, the world meet Congress, there isn't a better place to be able to experience. I think we heard over 48 countries represented mm -hmm. here. Mm -hmm. Okay. There's thought it was fitting that there's over 49 states involved with the National Corn Growers Association, and there's over 48 countries here today. So I think we'll each take one and, and go to work, right? <laughs> so you put it all together, the, the corn grower needs a strong livestock industry because that's such a key market. And to have a strong livestock industry, you need uh, strong exports so it all ties together. 
Absolutely. And when we look at right now from a pivotal point in the in the in the trade environment with NAFTA negotiations going on and some of the opportunities in China to further our discussions and and, and improve our trade relations there, we're really stressing the importance with um, Secretary Purdue and Ted McKinney, who's from the great state of Indiana as well and is out doing great work. That trade is a number one priority for Indiana farmers and and um, corn farmers across the. Um, across the United States and we're highly dependent on the success of export markets and putting our products around the world to keep a viable and sustainable crop available for American consumers as well. A lot going on right now with NAFTA and China negotiations, the RFS situation. Absolutely. It's a busy time. You know, I, absolutely. We look at it as, as as the triple threat or the triple opportunity right now to really show the importance of our reliance on collaboration and coalition in the agricultural industry, but also reminding our congressional representatives that, you know, we're, we're, we're looking to um, take our fair share of, of the pie when it means to wearing the, the weight on our shoulders to help um, renegotiate these things, but definitely don't want be held hostage in negotiations either as as a corn farmer here in the state state of Indiana and in the United States. And I have to ask you, give us a, a crop report for your your farm back in Indiana, how things look. Yeah, well, crop crop went in uh, a lot better than last year. So we had a really narrow planting window. Things went in in about two weeks in the state of Indiana, and we just picked up uh, just a very, very substantial rain here with an inch and a half of rain coming while I was in Dallas. So um, I know that everybody back home was really happy to get that and really improving crop conditions. So right now, got a good crop report, and we're looking forward to strong negotiations in the trade and farm bill, and, and we'll move on through the 2018 growing season. Great. Thanks, Natasha. Appreciate it. Thank you. Natasha Cox, who is on the board of directors for the Indiana, Indiana Corn Marketing Council and serves on the National Corn Growers Risk Management Action Team. And our thanks to the National Corn Growers Association for making our broadcasts, our coverage of World Meat Congress here in Dallas possible. Thanks for joining us on Monday. We'll talk more about the RFS and trade and tariff situation. Hope you'll join us. Have a great weekend. I'm Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. <music>